This is episode number 328, Forming Healthy Habits, with Rob Straytham. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Ads Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming three-day experience in Austin, Texas on October 7th called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears. What this is is a three-day experience where you will get a chance to hear stories from speakers from all over the world as well as be a part of breakout sessions that are intended to help you identify your fears and turn them into strengths. If you'd like to know more details regarding this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. So I was listening to a book. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it or read it. Green Lights? No, not at all. No. Dude, that is a, wow. Uh, For me, it's been an eye-opening book. and, And there's one chapter in particular towards the very end where he was just talking about this concept of purpose and the fear of living without it. And the thing that he pointed out that I thought was very interesting is he said that the closer that he got towards that sense of purpose, or that in his case, it's the divine, the more of a fraud he began to feel. And I just thought it was so interesting because I've experienced similar things in my life. And I don't know if you have, or anyone that's going to be listening to this. And I haven't figured out why. Because I had, it wasn't like I was doing anything that was putting people down or taken away from people. I think if anything, what I've started to realize is it's maybe one of those moments where it's quote, quote unquote, too good to be true as far as actually finding or discovering that sense of purpose. Yeah. Because, you know, I, at least my experience of living in U.S. and having traveled to other parts of the world and kind of seeing how purpose is viewed from lens to lens, I begin to notice that in the U.S. in particular, there is this tendency of, A, you got to find it now, and B, it better be grand. It's not good enough just to be able to be kind to other people, hold the door for someone else. It has to be something that impacts millions, if not billions of people. And that's a very, very large thing to live up to. And so I'm wondering, because I know this was something you and I were going to discuss. Did you ever feel that way? Yeah, I mean, it's a North American thing. I, I didn't realize this till I was like 26. 
Um, I jumped in the cruise line industry. I had finished a degree in university in history and political science Mm -hmm. and felt I didn't have enough. Went back to school, did a WAP of business courses. And I got to the point where I actually felt pretty good about that. And it sort of led me to this path without realizing it to the right path of the way of thinking. And I found fulfillment in that already. And a lot of people would have said, well, I've already done one degree. Why don't you just do another official degree in commerce and business? But I gained what I wanted out of enough courses that I took in marketing and in organizational behavior, accounting, economics, uh, business information systems mm-hmm. uh, to get my head around a lot of how business and business psychology from a university standpoint really worked. Uh, plus the number crunching. Uh, the only thing I didn't touch into was finance, but I got into that um, earlier on before I went back to school fully. I'd worked in a brokerage firm for about a year. So I learned a lot about just actual investing because you're making sales calls for brokers, but you're around this environment all the time. Mm. So one thing led to another. I went to see, worked in the cruise line industry. And as you mentioned, travel is just a massive impact. And I realized the rest of the world doesn't look for this instant gratification and this, I want it now. And it has to be on a grandiose scale. Like (laughs) it's like being an athlete and you start in your first year in wrestling or something, and you want to be on the Olympic podium as a medalist. It's not realistic, Mm. but this is a North American way of thinking. And you're right. And what this does is people feel forever disjointed because they feel that they have to have these grand wins when in reality, and most of the rest of the world already gets this, is things just gradually come over time. Yes. That's you know, your wins come over time. It's It's the small victories. I'm beginning to understand that now more than ever, but it really is the small victories that... I'm not even going to say that lead to big victories. I think if anything, what I've learned, it's the small victories that just lead to other opportunities, period. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you're willing to be open to take that door, then it expands upon your life. And, you know, it's like compound interest. Um, mm-hmm. You start investing and you put away $10 a month and you get up to putting $100 a month away. And then eventually, you know, you're into a pretty good, career, say the average person into a strong, high five digit, maybe getting near six digit income and, you know, with obligations and everything, they're, way to, they're able to put a few hundred dollars away a month, you know, for mm-hmm. rainy day and into investing. Um, are you going to get rich today? Certainly not. Is yep. it going to benefit you in next year? Yes, but you're not going to really see the impact. But over 20 years, you may have a rich retirement all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. because you've done these things. Well, any endeavor, whether it's athletic, academic, studying, um, you know, uh, getting good at music, uh, becoming a creative artist, building a business, getting the sales numbers up, it's making those steady small wins and incremental wins every day is much easier to measure and it's much e- easier to map out. You can define it and map it out. I mean, it's not gonna be glamorous, but the win over time will look glamorous to the onlooker, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not the instant. Yeah, I'm on the podium. You know, <laughs> it took 10 years at least to get there. How do you view purpose with knowing all of that? Well, you just have to define it into what you're doing and what really sparks passion and love in you. If you pick up something that you instantly gravitate to, 
and you have no like working on it hours a day, all of a sudden doesn't feel like work to you, whether that is giving your time to donate and, and raise money for cancer, or it could be, um, you know, it could be um, awareness out there for things like cancer. Again, uh, Tim Sohn comes to mind, a good friend of mine with his uh, showing up perspectives on cancer, being a cancer survivor. He dedicates tons of time to it. He has a passion for it. Or it could be you want to learn an instrument and all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, I'm naturally pretty good at playing a guitar. I'm going to put the time into it, become great at this. Or it's building a business into something you love, helping others, coaching, mentoring, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. If you find there's that burning desire, it's going to direct you to purpose and living with purpose is, is critical. I don't think any human can really live a meaningful life without finding purpose. Hmm. It's hard. It is. And it's really interesting. You mentioned that because I was talking to another friend of mine who had gone through a series of his own near life or death situations where it really made him so to speak, look himself in the mirror and ask that question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And one of the things that he was talking about was actually something complete opposite to sounds like maybe both of our beliefs. And that's in his case, he didn't believe it was necessary to live with purpose. And then I asked him the question and said, well, what do you live with then? What, what yeah. do you go towards? Because I've, I've always felt like there has to be, or not has to be, it's just I'm making it so that there is a moving target that I'm moving towards. Right. Every single morning I wake up. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, the passion doesn't automatically fuel my body to a point where I jump out of bed. I have breakfast and all these things. I'm finding that through all of those activities, I'm building myself up in order to approach that passion more. So like in your case, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you wake up thinking about wine? Not always. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think you nailed it on the head. If you're not actively and purposefully building into mm. that direction every day, um, the journey never is easy. It never gets easier. Um, yeah. I think it gets easier if you work on it. You know, I like to listen to, uh, sometimes I like to wake up and just listen to audios about, you know, it's affirmations on wealth, abundance, happiness. Uh, it gets you into a groove. And sometimes I go to bed listening to these things in like silent mode, not when my girlfriend's around and I'm sleeping beside <laughs> her, but it's more when I'm, I'm alone, like at home three times a week back in my own place uh, for the other part of the week. And just getting your mind into a positive mental attitude definitely mm -hmm. directs you because yes, I do wake up thinking about the wine course and how am I going to move this? You know, what's my next uh, virtual happy hour, the happy hour experience podcast with the drunken grape going to be. Um, I do wake up thinking I've got to go to that side gig to funnel money into adding new things into the business venture while the business is between contracts. And how do I get things rolling to get passive income happening? But none of that happens without inspiring yourself or finding inspiration first, because we're like anybody else, man. I roll out of bed and first thing I do is make coffee <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and I carouse the news for a little bit. And, you know, usually I'm up early, so it's uh, I'm not insanely early, but usually uh, my body just starts to jolt out of bed somewhere between uh, 615 and half past six, mm -hmm. you know, and usually I'm asleep or I go to bed by the latest midnight. You know, mm -hmm. and I, it's just, I work and do all sorts of things in those hours. And 
the part of purpose is to know that it's perfectly okay to do other things outside of your driven dream. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to balance it out. Like we were talking before this call, I went and ran stairs and it's just, you've got to go out and do stuff. <laughs> As preparation for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But as stuff that you do, <laughs> as stuff that you do, that's wellness and, and keeps you happy because, you know, we were talking as well or how things are like on a pendulum yes. and balanced people doesn't mean that it sits like the scales all the time. I'm a Libra. So I always think of the scales, mm. but it does this and that's perfectly okay. You don't want things to totally get disconjointed and to be just like that. Even the image of me sitting here talking is painful for a while to the viewer. So Mm -hmm. it's just, um, like you said, you don't wake up going, Oh yeah. You know, I'm going to talk, coach people with passion and purpose and living a life of fulfillment. I mean, you do that already, but you do wake up thinking, Hey, I'm hungry. What am I going to eat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to open my eyes. Where's my cup of coffee? You know, it's like, yeah. And then from there, that's where I find I, I'm like anyone else. The only difference is I don't start to worry about current affairs or the stress of a job I hate or, you know, why am I in this storefront business I can't stand anymore? I look at things going, hey, what can I do today now to hone tomorrow to be better? Mm. How do you put yourself in that? Because I, I've always been fascinated by people who are able to do that. And that's, to me, it sounds like having an optimistic approach. I could confidently say that 99% of the time I'm in that space where I know that, okay, these are the things that are going to yeah. cause me stress. And these are real things, right? Yeah. Like when, if you look at your bank account and it says <laughs> X, Y, and Z digits, and you want it to be more to meet what, to meet whatever bill there's there's a certain level that I've come to in that's realization that okay there's only so much I could I can do like I wish I could magically concentrate on the number and the number is just incrementally going to increase but it truly just won't if anything is it's going to increase through time through effort and through energy and so in those moments I'm just realizing that okay some of these things it really doesn't make sense for me to focus on like that's how I started to look at it and I just move forward. Like, how do you, how do you personally do that? Yeah, I think, I think you're right on that sense. And I, you know, for me as well, to add to that, I think just to realize that abundance can come from anywhere. You can come into a windfall. You could all of a sudden meet somebody that changes your life. They give you a big contract because they believe in you. Um, you could get the winning ticket in a lottery. You just don't know. I mean, it's funny. Two months ago, I bought a ticket. I'm still waiting for the money to come in, but I bought a lottery ticket and came in. And I just went, ah, nah, 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 nah. going to the corner store, throw it under the scanner, a thousand bucks just appeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I, I've readjusted thinking because, you know, coming out of a pandemic, business stresses, business comes and goes, you're making money, then it's a struggle. I have a dental bill coming up for a couple implants I have to have done. There's a few thousand bucks, but it needs to be done. You can't stress on these things. You have to stress on how do I achieve the outcome I want to achieve? And obviously, I, you know, I want more money for more freedom. I want more money to fix certain things in health. I want yeah. more money to be able to help other people uh, once I'm at a reasonable level of structure and comfort. And I can go off and travel when I want to and that I don't need a big house or a fancy car. I just need money to have freedom. But how do I help free others? And these things are what I think of. And I think by expanding your mind to believe that opportunities are always ever present and the world is ever flowing with abundance, which is true. It's absolutely true. Um, This 
changes your outcomes 99% of the time into your absolute favor. And we do have gifts. Like I'm not overly religious on a, on a, on a structured sense, but I do believe in God. And I do believe that there is purpose. And I do believe that we are created. And I, you know, I mean, that, that could, I'm not going to argue, um, um, natural evolution and progression, because that's scientifically proven. But I mm. will say this, we have a lot more ability within us than we realize. And we have far more ability to shape our own future. Have you ever had a moment where you had a little hunch or intuition, this was going to happen 10 minutes later, and it freaking happened 10 minutes later? Oh, yeah. And it, that times. happens all the time. So if you can do that and realize, wait a second, this could happen 10 minutes later, What's stopping you from magnifying that and calling out loud to really pull something and attract something of much greater to you? You can absolutely do it. Yeah. But it doesn't come without sweat equity and effort and time. I mean, yeah. it's you always have to be working at it, especially in a world that you're bombarded on negativity on social media, you know, and the whole push of diversity and inclusion i i find it's more bigotry and exclusion because i've never seen the world more divided and more full of hate between groups and different groups of people and we forget we're all beating to the same drum i mean people shouldn't care what color you are what religion you openly practice they shouldn't care whether um you're straight gay transgender it doesn't matter like what matters is we're all human and uh you know, we share this space and to share the space, it's better to share it with a lot of happiness, love and joy and commitment to the positive mm -hmm. than looking at the dark side of things. And unfortunately, you know, when we think of it, news media and the news networks and social media has learned it doesn't work that way. You know, remember when Facebook was a happy place? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. so true. Yeah. Remember Facebook from 20, uh, oh, 2007 when it launched to maybe 2012? It was pictures of people partying. Look, I'm on a yacht. Look, I'm in Cuba. I'm in Mexico. Look at, hey, it's the Seine River in Paris. There's the Eiffel Tower. And now it's like, I hate Joe Biden or I can't stand Trump or Trudeau is terrible. And, you know, I'm guilty of getting caught into that occasionally, but I think we all are. But and we are all creatures of environment and what we you know, it's like osmosis, you know, where you absorb what's around you in your oh, environment. Yeah. Well, we definitely do. So you're nailing it on the head by saying, yes, you got to actively work at it daily. And it takes compounding over time to stay in a positive mental attitude amidst things going to hell around you at times. I mean, it's a lot of things we can't control can and do happen yeah. and they will happen. Um, and it's how you come out of it. I mean, this is part of what I say about grief and loss. I lost my twin sister, you know, three years ago, almost now to cancer. And I had her for 47 years in my life where she's my best friend, you know, and that was hell. And it's still hell. I had to tell somebody at a comedy show last night who worked for both of us when we worked for a wireless provider back 18 years ago, we both managed the same girl. She goes, you're Rob, aren't you? Your sister, uh -huh. sister was my boss. How is she? And I had to look at her straight in the face and say, well, she passed away and it was hell. But coming through all that, my sister always preached the silver lining. You got to look for the silver lining and everything. And I believe that too. And having a positive mental attitude and finding your purpose really helps you overcome a lot of things. And it doesn't mean in a situation of extreme loss like that, that you're not going to have points of time where it feels unbearable. Yeah. You will.
but it certainly helps move into a healthy direction from grief over time. And you learn to just embrace it because you keep functioning on purpose. I'm finding that for me, when it comes to everything that you just said, part of that purpose is I just try to look for the reasoning or I create my own meaning. Cause I sometimes in certain yeah. situations, like a, like a person passing, right. My uncle, one of my late uncles, he passed away couple of years ago. And I try to figure out the reasoning. Why did it happen? Why did it happen then? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Why Ultimately, such a nice guy, you know, right? like uh, why, why such why a nice young guy? still maybe 60 at the most exactly. and he had life exactly. ahead of him. And I knew him as a lively, happy and fairly healthy person now gone. So a lot of exactly. it doesn't make sense. And exactly. And it's just that the only sense I can make of it is they fortunately had their time here, you know, and in a lot of cases yeah. they had their impact. And I think the good Lord just looked at them and said, it's just time for you to come join us up here. It's your, you've, you've lived, you've, you've achieved your goal here. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a certain amount of weight and measure to that. Now, you know, like Abraham Lincoln said, you know, a man is um, you make up your mind to be, or some paraphrase of that really meaning your thinking controls you. And yeah. You know, a lot of these pundits and these great, wildly successful people against hellish odds um, really believe that you could control your own destiny for a certain measure of it, which is yeah. true. Yeah, I believe in that. I, I genuinely believe in the concept that you do create your own or you manifest your own destiny to a degree. There's to a degree. certain things that I think happened, like we mentioned earlier. Yes, you went into the store, you bought the lottery ticket, but at this then you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't no. know what amount you're going to receive. You didn't know if any amount was going to come. No. But I think that I think there's anything that I'm learning as part of this process, which also ties into this concept of purpose. And that's, I can do the best that I can and have the best possible belief as part of all of this. And then from there, whatever else that I choose to believe in, you know, for me, I do believe that there's some sort of higher form of energy because they're just, there I, I've just had too many, I've had too many situations in my life where things happen and where I'm like, okay, yes, I'm the one that made the phone call or talked to this person. But then at the same time, this person did this or somehow another person came into my life. So I think that there are certain things that are unexplainable, but going back to even how we started this, having that moving target as a purpose, purpose for my life, purpose to care for others, to serve others, serve myself. Those are the things that guide me beyond the hardest of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes when everything hits something. the fan, that's the thing that I refer to. It's Why true. am I doing this? And, and your support network, um, your friends, your family, those closest to you. Uh, you know, if you've got a good network, it helps you get through hell too. And even little things, I just, you know, I, I looked down at my phone for a second. It wasn't to interrupt you because I wanted to find something and share it. It's something like this. So you can't really see it on the screen, but it's the, the secret. secret the secret. There's an mm -hmm. app where you get daily affirmations and it takes a minute to read them. You know, the one that says this one today in a daily teaching says the universe is the universal supply and supplier of everything. Everything comes from the universe. And this is delivered through to you through people, circumstances and events by the law of attraction. Think of the law of attraction as the law of supply. It is the law that enables you to draw from the infinite supply. When you admit the perfect frequency of what you want, the perfect people, circumstances, and events will be attracted to you and delivered. You know, when they always say somebody's a person of destiny, for instance, mm 
I just believe that they're really in tune with what they want and what their purpose is. And that attracts everything to them to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And similarly, when they fall, because a lot of them do fall because it's not sustainable in a sense, um, like a power grab politically or something. You yes. think of some really nasty, nefarious characters like Stalin and Hitler throughout history. Well, Hitler fell because in the end you become paranoia, but the paranoia now attracts all the negative and darkness that causes them to plummet too. And the key is mm-hmm. to stay on top and to stay focused on your state of mind. I always find when things accumulate and they go bad on me, it's because I've stewed on something negatively for a while and I'm not immune to this. Nobody is. The key to get around that is to keep your positive mental attitude cruising and to focus and hone on a point of purpose, whether that's to complete a course uh, to help you get into school or a course to help you achieve a professional uh, designation or to get into a new profession or to enhance your business, or it could be training for an athletic endeavor like a marathon or something like that, you know, by having purposeful goals and goal setting ties into this. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes things a lot better and a lot better for you, but it doesn't come every day. Like it's like that going back to those incremental steps. You're not on the podium right away. You don't have that million dollar retirement right away. It takes a process of steady little gains each and every day to get there. How do you set those goals? Cause I've had so I've heard so many different theories and and the one that I quote unquote, choose to subscribe to, to this point is it actually stems from a question and that's what do I need right now? Yeah, that's certainly part of it. What is the immediate, what needs to be addressed right now will always affect your, um, your five foot to your 30 foot or your hundred foot view on things. But the 30,000 foot view is where do I want this shaped over time? Mm -hmm. And it's, you can block time on something and say, well, I want to do this in three years. And I, a very wise friend in business always said to me that things actually take double what you think they may take. So if you think three, don't <laughs> be upset if it life. takes five or six. <laughs> don't be mad if it takes five or six. Embrace it. You're actually on the right track. You're doing well. Yeah. But it's to sort of time block and compartmentalize things. You know, don't try to do everything in a day because we're terrible multitaskers as human beings. Try to nail down a task or two every day in particular that gets results for you and gets something done. Whether you want to revamp your website, spend a few hours on it. Just don't brush over it. If you want to work on your YouTube channel for marketing and branding and building up a subscription base that can turn into a revenue stream of passive income, just focus on it for an afternoon and then pick at it and then make sure you look at it for half an hour a day or an hour a day. If you're taking a course, the easiest way to do a course, and this is a brilliant advice from Jennifer Simonati Bryan, master of wine. Like she's basically like a PhD in the wine world. Um, the elite. She's amongst the elite of the elite, you know, academically speaking. And she's a very shrewd business person, dear friend of mine, says, if you're going to study, it's best to do a little bit every day. Make sure you block at least a half hour, an hour every day. If you can do a bit more, great. If you can do less, hit it for at least 15 minutes. The repetition and routine of doing things every day helps entrench learning and building and growing. It's like a gym. You know, if you don't have time to do a full workout, do something, do a partial workout, get on the bike for 10 minutes and do 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups and some, uh, you know, some chin-ups, a bunch of stretching and be out of there in 20 minutes. If you do that every day and that's all you can do, you're going to still make massive gains over time over somebody doing nothing. Massive gains. 
It's true. And it's the same. Just inc- build it incrementally. Don't try to build all the bridge in one day. If you have a business and you're looking at it, you've got to get your website up. You've got to get your logo and branding. You've got to get um, your trademark for the name to copyright and protect it. You have to go out and get your social media sites synced and loaded up. And hopefully it can sync to the name of your business. You have to... Um, <laughs> get a whole concept into a platform of what you're trying to have, what you want to sell. You want to get a vehicle into how to do it. You know, there's many things already at play there. <laughs> Just start working you lost at, me at the second or third, <laughs> but start working. At- <laughs> Sorry, but start working at them incrementally every day. Like don't try to do it all in one shot. Like you said, the one shot. Yeah. Glory. You know, it doesn't work. You will fall down and stumble. But humble never stumbles and stumbling gets you to success. It's ironic. It's not trying to sprint there. And no one ever sprinted to the finish line in a 26 mile run, for instance, or in a, in a competition where they had to go through and defeat a series of teams or uh, individuals in a sport like, you know, like volleyball or wrestling. It's um, you have to just incrementally get there. Yeah. And I think it's slowing things down. One thing I've learned with age, and I was very impulsive when I was probably, you know, up to about 30, 35 at times, it started to slow down and I got better. Probably actually in truth in my late 20s and on, I was started to be able to slow things mentally a bit. One thing I find in middle age now, in the middle of middle age, that has really helped me is slow things down. You know, when we look at it, it's like, oh man, I got that meeting in three hours. What can I do? And that when you think that way, the three hours races by and you achieve virtually nothing and you're stressed and there's a meeting in front. <laughs> it's true. Whereas yes. if you sit back going, wow, three hours, man, I got a half hour. I can get to the gym. I've got an hour. I can study on a course. I've got five minutes. I can work on a foreign language and I've, you know, got 25 minutes so I can go back to my website and just brush up one section of it maybe put a nice post up on social media to help market that whole process and then spend 25 minutes really focused getting into the zone for that meeting. That three hours is far more successful. All of a sudden, all you did was you changed your thinking. Yes. That's it. You didn't change anything else other than your thinking, but the outcomes are enormous. Instead of stressing, you said, I can't control that in three hours but I can control what's in front of me for half an hour. When that's done, I can control the next block of time. I can control yeah. the next block of time. I can get up and do something for my health and fitness to balance off my day. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, even if you want to spend 20, 30 minutes reading on something positive and refreshing, just because you feel bogged down, do it. But we are in such a condition, particularly it's the cancer of North America to worry about what's going on around you and not within you and to be stressed about, you know, why I want to get into this and I want to win that gold medal right away. And if I don't win the gold medal, I don't want to be in it. Well, it doesn't work that way. It never did, but we're conditioned to think that way. Like the 90% of society lives and thinks this way. And that's why I think people swim in jobs that they hate. They're in relationships that are second or third tier. They marry someone who's second or third tier from what they should have done. Had they just had a better outlook and a better strategy. And I think a lot of that comes from your state of mind and your state of being. And being in a positive state of being, um, you know, I don't know if you know Scotty Schindler, 
No. Mm-mm. He has System 1357, built this business called Renet. I think it was a client relationship management tool uh, for real estate agents to sell. He had $1.1 trillion of real estate under his software by the time he sold it. He was able to retire at 46 or something like this, 45, 46. And he comes back and talks about this. And he says, the number one thing I can train, he goes, and listen, I'm not the smartest guy academically. I was 47th in my class, you know, out of 50 people coming out of high school. Like I just scraped through stuff. He said, but the positive mental attitude is the difference maker and the ability to keep moving, keep learning and keep working. And he's right. The more that I think about this conversation, the more that I'm beginning to think it's really about forming good habits rather than an <laughs> initial topic. And I, I was thinking about this as well, once again, through Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. And Oh, Matthew McConaughey wrote that. I love that yeah, guy, the actor. There's, there's a chapter in there where he talks about, for him, the difference between the person that he was and the person that he is, is that he shifted his focus. He started to focus on what are the good habits that I want to cultivate now and move forward with, because just like anything else, and you've said this however many times by now, it takes time to form a good habit. I mean, it takes time oh, to yeah. break down what we just broke down within a series of sentences. It, for me, it's a daily practice because it is easy to fall into the other side. It is easy oh, yeah, to yeah, look yeah, at yeah, it through the lens of the world is a bad place. Everything's against me. Yes, I should be having this fear mindset. Yes, X, Y, and Z doesn't illustrate what I'm wanting it to illustrate, right? True, yeah. But at the same time, I'm also realizing in those moments, it's a choice. Yeah. I'm choosing to flip the script. I'm choosing to write a different story around what may appear to be real circumstances. Like the whole story of looking at a bank account. That's This is the best one I could come up with. You look oh, yeah. at it, the number does not change no matter how much you look at it. But the story in which I'm choosing to look at it through can change. Yes, it might be this, but it's not the ultimate one. Yes, it might be this, but it's not the end of the journey. There are still things I could do. There are other ways that I could accomplish these things. And so I'm finding that more and more, if anything, it really does boil down to just focusing on the habits that serve me and not the ones that don't. It is absolutely true. Like eliminate the bad habits if you like to overeat. Well, and it's indiscriminate food. Overeat, but overeat healthy food. You know what and I mean? Like, slowly. And, then, like, and I, it starts slowly. Start integrating nuts. Get, it, get rid of chocolate and ice cream. I love chocolate and ice cream, by the way. <laughs> but put in nuts. Put nuts instead there. You yes. Yeah. If you're hungry, instead of reaching for a bag of potato chips, have an avocado, eat a banana, make a smoothie yeah. um, and integrate, start. And if you're complacent and you're overweight and you hate your body and hate your lifestyle and, you know, tons of people are always there, get up and move for 10 minutes, decide to take a walk instead of, uh, you know, lighting a cigarette outside or pouring another cup of coffee, go out and walk for 10 minutes. You got yeah. 10, 15 minutes, move your body a little bit. Go do the stairs. No, like go do the stairs. Go even just walk up the flight of stairs in your office building because people are going mm-hmm. back to that to some degree. Or if you live in a condo corp, go, go. You live on the eighth floor. Don't take the elevator, take the stairs. Yeah. And all these little steps have massive impact. Start reading something just positive in the morning. Listen to positive audio. It is huge. Go into YouTube and find something that gets you into a positive meditative state and just soak in it for a little while. 
-hmm. You know, I think these things have massive impact because I tell you what, one of the worst things you can do is say, Hey, let's turn on CNN for 22 minutes and see what Tucker Carlson on Fox TV has to say next. You know, sure. I find, I find all this stuff more. I find it news. I've learned to really realize a lot of this stuff is news entertainment because it's opinion pieces. And a lot of it is half fact shrouded into what sells for these networks. Don't start your day with that stuff. Start your day with a healthy break for yourself. Even if it means going out to the piece of quiet in nature, that's a fantastic thing to do. Robert Jacko on LinkedIn is huge on that. He's an older guy and he posts stuff by going by the falls and his walks into the wild and into nature. Uh, Simon Lever of BizCast 360 does the same thing too on, on the side of on the, across the pond in England, you know, around Winchester and that. And they post these beautiful images and pictures. When you want to wake up seeing stuff like that instead of, Hearing about sure. Russia's next step of the invasion of the Ukraine or how uh, the economy's crashing or how bad it is when the market's tanking and change your outlook. Like, I mean, I'm getting into that, even talking investing. Yes, the markets are tanking. What's, what's what most people, what do most people do when things are tanking? They bail. Yes. You should be panic buying, not panic selling when a market's bad. This is when everything's on sale. Can you imagine going in a store going, Oh, fuck that PlayStation five. I want to buy is... <laughs> Wait a second. That PlayStation five is not 800 bucks. It's down to 300 bucks. And I've got a window of a few months to do that before it jumps up to 800 or a thousand bucks again. Yeah. Well, what would the smart person do? They would take as much money as they could pull together and buy as many PlayStations as possible knowing this, wouldn't they? Because yeah. you can turn around and magnify your earnings and your wealth quickly. And if you lost money, it's a great way to recover it by rebuilding it through dollar cost averaging or averaging out the well, lifting things up. Well, it's how you look at life, right? It's, oh, well, the glass is half empty. No, it's half full. Make yeah. it full again. You know, yeah. or if the glass is almost empty. No, it's the start of being full. There's a drop in it. We can continue adding drops of water in that glass until the glass is overflowing. Yeah. Most people look at it going, damn it, the glass is almost empty. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. But the media teaches you this. This is ingrained in North American culture. And it's now coming. You can see where it's kind of unseating our whole society. We need to make a mental state shift. The whole, all, our whole society does. And, you know, you talk divisiveness and things like that. It's like, we're really more divisive. The divis divisiveness of the world is so obvious and apparent because we're so divisive in ourselves. And the key is to find unity in yourself. And it's constant work. You're right. Like you said, you get up. It's like, you're a positive guy. I know you are. And like, yeah. you overcame so much. And you, you do things to enhance and enrich yourself. You don't sit there playing video games all day long or in the metaverse or right. locked into social media. You hopped out and traveled for six months because uh, you wanted to figure out what direction you wanted to go in next with business and life and your coaching regiment. And those are exactly the things you should be doing. Yeah. It takes guts. It takes courage, but it's, you know, I'm sure you had doubts at times while you were traveling. How do I come back? How do I get money back in my wallet? Where am I going to live? You yeah. know, all this natural things that come to people's minds. But you looked at it, or what my bank balance? Oh my God, it's getting low. How do I've got debt? How do I build that back? But 
it instantly shifts the minute you say, how do I build it back? How do I bring it back? How do yes. I get better? How, how do I? Let's just saying those three words are massively impactful because they start to shift you into a way of going, well, wait a second. Then you focus, then you get purpose into what you're doing. And then the direction of it just takes right off. I couldn't agree with you more. Took me a long time to figure this out and really piece together for me fully after the loss of my sister. I lost her and I gained insight with the death of her. And I feel that I've gained more of her inside of me. And, you know, in other areas, I think she brought my fantastic girlfriend to me because it was her dying wish that I had somebody great in my life. Mm. uh, But these things came by me having to change too. And, you know, you mentioned wiping out the bad habits. Well, I had to wipe out some bad habits, uh, you know, and some bad habits creeped in because of being depressed without being realizing I was being depressed, still making money, doing virtual tastings, going through the motion. People thought I was just happy anyway in exterior, on the exterior. Wow, you dealt with the death of her so incredibly well. I did deal with it well, but there's points that I didn't deal with it well. And underneath, I was just in a turmoil of hell and it was sort of medicated by, you know, could be the odd drug use or just getting drunk or, you know, doing stupid shit that doesn't serve you a purpose of getting back and getting focused and getting healthy. It doesn't wipe that stuff out Mm -hmm. or remove the toxic people you thought were friends around you, but they really Mm -hmm. don't want to see you succeed. Eliminate that stuff. If you have family, sorry, I hit rattled this camera for a second. If you hit, (laughs) if you have family members that are toxic to you, put them on the list of remove people to remove until they get better, Mm. you know, but you got to do things that help you. The only thing you can control in this universe is you. Yeah. You have full domain over you. That is it. Yeah. So why not exercise those options? Why give it away to circumstance, chance, and everybody else? And unfortunately, we live in a world 95% do exactly that to some varying degree. That's true. Very true. Speaking Our of goal is to help them. Speaking of virtual tastings. I see the wine bottle in the background. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more or for anyone that is not aware with what you're doing and what, where your passion is. Well, I mean, I love joy and the beautiful thing and what got me into the wine spirits and beer world was um, it was really imparted to me through my late father. I uh, came to his house. This is over 10 years ago. I had an IT business. I think it was about 38, 39. So it's like 11, 12 years ago, I started Delvin wanting to do something else. The business went sour. I had a drunk partner. He was older, smart, great worker, sleazy and underhanded would be calling it, there'd be kind words to call what he had pulled on a lot of people, including myself, uh, while using his charm to deliver that punch. And I was at a point where I wanted to study project management. And my father said, well, wait a second, you're bartending in a hotel on the side. You love that. You love the whole engagement and experience. It comes natural to you. This whole IT world never came natural to you, which it didn't. I mean, I did, had moments I did really well at it. And I had moments where I had to struggle with it. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you just get into the wine and beer world? And I grew up with him making wine and beer. And he had some great books on the subject. And he actually had no, he knew quite a bit surprisingly he knew quite a bit just by making it he was a highly intelligent man very insightful man and actually had a lot more insight into me than i realized he had you know and obviously being my father and 
the one of the two parts of why I'm here on this planet in the first place. Um, so I decided to listen to him and I pursued it. And I discovered a whole universe into wine. And then I moved into beer about three years later while working with wine, when I finished into a professional level of just getting professionally certified in the advanced certificate at WSET level three, which I did in six weeks. I don't recommend anyone ever do that course. <laughs> I pass with merit, which is a pretty high score. The only thing over it be like distinction. So I passed with like a B. I knew very little about coming into it about wine other than I did the level two. And I'd only scored merit on that where most people ace it. A lot of those people that aced it completely failed level three. It is a huge fail rate. I did well. It's like I was one of four people or five, top four or five out of 32 people that started that. And most of those wow. people had far more wine experience and being on a floor serving and discussing wine than I ever had. So I think what fueled that though, was I got impassioned about it because I love history and I love delving into time capsules and different time spaces and epochs and civilizations. Wine and beer do that and spirits does that. And for me, it just is the expression of joy. I mean, I grab something like this is a pretty historic wine in itself. This is about 90 or 100 bucks a bottle. Uh -huh. uh, Stag's Leap Wine Cellars, the Artemis. This is the wine that defeated all the French superstars of like uh, Grand Cruz of Bordeaux in a blind tasting in 1976 in the Judgment of Paris, where it was rigged against the Americans. And the judges were French in a blind tasting. They were all French. It was hosted by an American um, journalist and a British wine merchant. And the Americas won. The Americans, and this is Californian, and it has, it's in around Napa. It's one of the AVAs in Napa, wow. 16, which is an American viticultural area or like their Appalachian system. This destroyed the field. You know what's crazy? They continue to hammer the French in blind tastings every time they happen <laughs> to happen to this very day. So you discuss things like that. You get into the exciting facts of it and you talk about the grape. You talk about what it pairs with with food, how this would go really well with like a, a medium rare filet mignon right off the barbecue or something like that. You know, and it's just like you engage people. And I found this world just engaged people. So I built a business up around it over time. And what I love about virtual tastings, and now I'm getting back into live tastings too on a regional level because we're able to do it again. And live tastings are obviously the best way to engage, but virtual is brilliant because what virtual does is if you're an alumni association, do you think it's really financially feasible to raise funds for alumni when it costs you money or it costs money out of the True. pockets of the alumni to fly into a common gathering point from across the country or around the world just to raise funds for the university or the college or the campus or, you know, for a wing of a hospital or whatever they may be working on. I'm just using that one example. No, right. it does not. And now with the way we can video conference so freely through things like Zoom or Google Meets or Microsoft Teams or through Riverside FM to a certain degree, or whatever these platforms may be, um, there's no reason for all these remote and fractionalized teams and members to have to fly all over the place anymore to meet. You can do it right over a video call, and you can integrate everybody into it. And you can almost have the simulated feel of look, touch, and feel, because you get to see each other. You get to see how people express themselves. You can hear their voice in a conversation. You can see the semantics of their emotions, whether they're depressed or excited to be on that call. And 
virtual tastings just bring that whole experience in there. And what it does is it just ties all these people together in meaningful engagement when they're often working on a greater business or a philanthropic goal to achieve. So it just brings joy and happiness uh, to people and it gets them together. And you do it in a way that separates time and space. You don't have to fly. You don't have to worry about uh, the inclement weather, the day of the event. You wipe mm -hmm. out commuting costs. Now with fuel prices sky skyrocketing on the globe <laughs> and inflation hitting, it makes it even more feasible. And if you're a company or organization or you're an IT team, you have got members scattered throughout the place working on design and product development. It could be uh, finance firms working on um, high-end accounts for investors and clients. They're often scattered now too. Parts of the legal team and the accounting team with the financial expert all working in different wings in different cities now. Remote living has totally changed this whole platform. So Virtual events are going nowhere but up over time. There's a bit of a lull in them right now. But the other part is you're an organization. You plan an event for 50 people. Are you going to spend 5,000 bucks in a virtual event, make it really meaningful and impactful? Or are you going to spend $50,000 that you used to spend on a traditional event to do the same thing? Because now you've got to fly five or 10 people from different parts of the country or the globe to the event. And then you got to put them up for a week and then really meaningful business could be done in an afternoon, but you still have to accommodate them, justify it for a week because of the cost of just getting, getting them there in the first place on corporate travel. Rob, is there a website for all this? Yeah, you can go to the drunkengrape.com. So, um, you know, I'm, it's a good site. I've done it through Shopify. I'm just revising some of the offerings now. I've included, I've gone away from just pure virtual tastings. I offer live tastings regionally here in the Ottawa region because we can even, even if somebody wanted to have me host something live in Toronto or Montreal, I'd be able to do it because those are just short commutes. Those are like up to a four hour commute away. It's feasible, but the virtual platform, you know, I've built clients that are, have offices across the country or across into the States, East and West, you know, and this is people in uh, different time zones up to four hours apart can now convey in very meaningful ways and engage. And that's where these things, and, and really in the end, if I say what the business does, it does one thing to you or two things, it brings joy. That's two good. words, brings joy. That's it. I can define it all in those two words. I was going to say it gets you drunk, but that's not the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's a byproduct. That <laughs> sometimes as a byproduct after I get off the call and the party continues, that has happened too. And they call me up with the Zoom like, hey, you did such a great job hosting. You want to enjoy the party next? I'm like, no, I don't. My professional part has ended. I can't be tied to that. But uh, thinking of drinking, I always believe light moderation is the best way. Mm. Have a couple drinks here and there. Have fun with it. Drink four, four. If you like to drink, drink four or five times a week, but take two to three days off. Don't yeah. drink every day. Don't listen to the stuff that a glass of wine or two daily is totally healthy because I don't personally believe it is because it gets back to habits. Is it physiologically yeah. bad on you? No, but can it be bad for your mental state? Yes, because people like to, people tend to get overindulgent and addictive on what they do. Yeah. And you rather have it where day, there's days without it. It's like what my old doctor before he passed said about people who smoke and smoking. He said, Rob, it was never a problem when people could have a cigarette here and there and then not touch it for three or four days and then light one up a couple days later. It's 
the fact that that turns into having 15 to 20 of those things a day in you. True. That's where the toxicity kicks in. Well, it's the same thing with alcohol. A lot of people say, oh, I just yeah, I drink lightly every day. Well, if you define four or five drinks a day lightly, um, that's maybe your definition of light. But I can tell you as a professional, that is not light drinking. That's dangerous drinking. And I always propagate at events. That's why I like tastings because you promote drinking, but in a very controlled way. Somebody has three or four beer in front of them. They're going to share it with two or three people on a call maybe. Or you're at an actual live tasting. A bottle like this could be broken into 13 servings, two ounce servings, just to pass around and you swirl around, you get tasting notes, you taste it, swirl around your mouth, get a feel for the body and the texture of the wine, the alcohol level, the acidity, some of the basics of wine, what flavor components really come out. And then you go, wow. And then you learn about it. And then you're on to the next one. And you know, you could go through three, four, five wines in a segment like that. The most the person consumed, if you go through five wines that way, it was two glasses of wine over an hour and a half. They're not walking out drunk at all. Yeah. You know, they I might say don't drive if you're a petite person, but I would say that you're certainly not drunk and you've enjoyed it. It's not like going to a bar where people at <laughs> you know, an hour and a half, six shots, four beers, a couple of rum and cokes, <laughs> and, and then they're wondering why they're just lit up like the life of the party. And that's like anything, you just got to address it with controlled moderation. It's just intelligent. You can over, you can go to the gym too much and injure yourself constantly. I mean, all, even good things can be done to become unhealthy too. And like yeah. you said, balance it out with good, positive mental attitude and proper habits and proper time blocking. Don't yeah. get obsessed with anything. Rob, I appreciate you and everything that you do when it comes to your work, the Friday features. It's, it's something that I look forward to. And like I shared with you before, when you even did that on me, I didn't expect it to happen, but at the same time, it lit up my day and, I think those things are important because they just show that what you're doing matters. That there's someone else that's watching that you may not get a chance to hear from. And it's happening, I think, all the time from the work that we do. There are people that are watching that we may never get a chance to interact with ever. But yet the fact that we're creating this and we're doing the best that we can with everything that we know, it's the only thing that matters. So I just I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for who you are and everything that you do. Cheers, brother. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. This was a great talk. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.